I think there is a great dialogue that can exist between psychology and politics. And for us to try to encourage people to look at their reaction to these political things as a measure of their maturity. And for us to start to not separate this stuff and isolate it and put politics over here, family over there. It starts right here, deep in your heart. Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most? It starts right here. Welcome to Start Right Here. I'm Tom Rutledge, and with me is Dr. Alan Berger. And uh, and in this conversation, we're sort of in the midst of. I also want to just uh, shout out there to you, Patrick, our producer. Patrick Newman has been a big part of this conversation. No, very, very much so, Patrick. And I was thinking about that is how much I appreciate how much in the politics you are and the concern you have for this nation and, and, you know, what it's going to be like for you in the years to come, you know, you know, Tom a, lot, a lot of concern, a lot of concern. Well, of course there are. I mean, look, Tom and I are in our twilights here, you know, we're, we're moving into the fall of our lives. I mean, I think, good, good, good luck, Patrick. Yeah. It's like, it's, <laughs> this is our way of saying, Patrick, you are screwed. Tom and I aren't going to worry about it because yeah. it doesn't matter. Well, though. well and, and I know I know we're going to get into the seriousness of this stuff too. But I, but and I and I agree with what Alan's saying about it. respect for for what you do uh, and your awareness of p- politics, uh, Patrick. But I would I would I would say that. You know, uh, you know, you were listening to two old white men say you're screwed. It's sort of like, like, who did this to this country? It's, it's like, it, it was our brethren, I think. It's, it's like, so, as a matter of fact, I'm saying, I'm telling people that Joe Biden is, is the old white man's amends to, uh, to, to the country. You know, probably I think probably the last old white guy that's going to be president for a while. And, uh, and I think, he, I think he's the guy who can actually, uh, make make some make some inroads here so well uh mr rogers yeah go ahead Patrick. oh sorry sorry to interrupt no i was gonna say mr rogers always encourages us to look for the helpers so i think you guys are a couple of the helpers so you know uh old (laughs) and white you may be but uh also uh you know carrying the water so thank you well look the other good news that you shared just before we came on today is we seem to have a following over in europe in Norway and Sweden, and you mentioned a few other countries, and we just want to give a shout out to all our European friends. And you know, I'm glad that we're still allies. <laughs> I know it's been tough being our friend for these <laughs> last four years. You know what I'm imagining? Right. I'm imagining in Norway, uh, they've got a speaker out next to maybe they're doing some ice fishing, you know, mm-hmm. and then they're listening to us in the background tell them about emotional sobriety. I think maybe. That's what's going on. <laughs> you know, I, I think that there were some people in Europe wondering if we were going to remain allies and stuff like that with our, you know, 
challenging NATO and the attitude that that this last president had to it. I know from as a citizen, I very much appreciated NATO and what NATO stands for. Absolutely. And the alliance we've had. And, and from my side, I recognize the importance of that, as well as things like the, the, the you know, the Paris uh, Climate Accord, right, that, that we're going to enter back into in terms of you know, uh, that seems to be very clear, one of Biden's intentions. And so, look, we're back. <laughs> we're back. Yeah. We are back. Well, and, and, and when you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, very, very excited to see that there's, that we have listeners in, in these other countries. It's, you know, I mean, because because I think nationalism has been such a part of the problem anyway, I you know, and I do, I do believe that part of the you know the, the big part of the solution is you know it, it's and this is where this is kind of where I love the what we're one of the things I love about what we're doing with start right here is is it's there's no different what we have to do globally and what we have to do nationally is no different than what we have to do individually in in, in seeking our recovery from our addictions and, and, and seeking our emotional sobriety. It's, and it all, it really does begin with getting out of our own ego, you know? And it's like, if you're coming from ego, it's like, you're, it's not going to work. It's, it's simply not going to work because ego is it a rational place to, to be. And, um, I was, I, I actually wrote this down that Sam Harris, the wonderful author, Sam Harris, uh, I was reading in a book called, by the way, we'd like people, people ask about the books we talk about, Mindful Politics. It's mm -hmm. a little bit old, older book, like uh, before all the stuff that's happened in the last few years, but it's a great book, Mindful Politics. Uh, and Harris says this, there, there is no guarantee that rational people will always agree uh, but the irrational are certain to be divided by their dogmas always, you know? And so the idea is in part of irrationality, it, it can be anything. It can be religious beliefs. It can be, it, you know, it, it, can, be, it can, be, can be people's beliefs about psychology or whatever, but, but, but it certainly gets into that place when we, we approach uh, national pride or national identity as if, as if it's a, a damn football game like we're supporting our team and our team's better than everybody else and so i love the idea i'm getting away from my own point but my point is i i would love to have more and more of an of an international following with our show because because i really do believe that the 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 healing here it does need to be international there's nothing wrong with it being happy where you grow up or whatever but the idea that that it's it's we're good and other people are less is never going to work and i and i really do think one of the things that scares a lot of people and i think scares people in our government is that you know and there's resistance like we see again in our offices and we've experienced in our own process is there's resistance to the idea that we are now a global community, whether, whether you like it or not, we are a part of the world and with connection and, and what we have now in terms of technology and all of this stuff and, and the, and the, cl the climate crisis, it's like what, and COVID, what we do here impacts everybody else, you know, and that's one of the most important lessons from COVID to me is that just even in my own small community, I stay home so that I don't stir the soup 
Because if I stir the soup, it doesn't mean, oh, am I going to get it or are you going to get it? It's like, no, I don't go out there and move things around because the, the COVID is a beautiful COVID crisis is a beautiful example of an example of healing because we understand that we have to do it as a community or we don't do it at all. Is that overstated? I don't think it is. Oh, I think that, look, I, I think that this idea of applying this isolationism, nationalism attitude to our country in today's world is so pedantic. Yeah. I mean, it's a global economy. I mean, because of the, you know, the information technology um, revolution and that information is so available, there, there's no more here and there. It's all here and now. I mean, right. it's that change and that's a big change and it has a big impact. And, and I've heard, you know, I've got a bunch of friends up in Canada. They go, we got to tell you this last four years has been like living above a meth lab. (laughs) I mean, it's been been crazy up here that we've been wondering what are, what are our our friends and neighbors, what's going on in their house down there? I mean, it's been crazy times. Now it's been interesting when I've, I've, I've been aware of myself this last week, I keep waiting for Biden to Twitter something outrageous. So I have a reaction to something. It's, it's amazing how habituated I got to craziness. Mm -hmm. I mean, to a level of insanity in terms of not knowing what's coming next and where it's going and, I mean, it's so interesting is that like it's now I'm bored with politics right now. It's going to normally. I I, I have a question to that end. Do you think that that um, that that kind of that level of intensity and like, uh, let's just call it excitement from the Trump tweets and, you know, the all of the. uh, Do you think that that's something that people are going to crave now that it's gone? Uh, well, I'm, I'm in withdraw- I'm in withdrawal right now. Absolutely. There, no, there is absolutely. And that's a great thing to be aware of because when we, we habituate to anything and we will immediately go, my wife one time described me as, as a, as a tentacle with a, with a suction cup on the end of it, looking for something to be anxious about, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's like when, when Alan described that as about being bored, it's like, especially people, you know, now we don't have a corner on the market of bored, but as addicts, we understand the danger of boredom. It's like dangerous boredom. What, what's happening? Well, my tentacles looking for something. It's like, yeah. So we, this, and, and to me, this is a call for, you know, for us to look at, you know, sort of the, the a synonym for emotional sobriety, which is, you know, okay, let me grow up a little bit more and become more of a mature human being and be able to deal with life. But I think what you, what you ask is important, Patrick, because, you know, people will, will not want to acknowledge that, you know, but it's like, I go like, no, I, that's, you know, I do because, because, you know, whenever I had a spare moment and I was, you know, responding on Twitter to some of the craziness of Trump, I go see what the boy was saying, you know, and it's, it's like, uh, and it's, it's both a relief and a withdrawal. There is, I, by the way, way more relief. Yes. You know, I'm not oh. asking for it. I, oh, if, yeah. any, if anybody in the universe is listening, I'm not asking for it. I'm not asking for it back. It's like, I will learn to cope with this calm. 
Yeah. yeah. And for me as well. And I mean, uh, I, I carry a resentment with me that, I mean, I don't know how, I, I, I wish there was a way for me to add up the hours cumulatively mm-hmm. every day for the last four years or five years, I guess, because he was running. That, mm-hmm. I mean, that I'm li- I've listened to his voice. I mean, it's been like a, pre- a constant <laughs> devil on my shoulder. And I think the idea is that like, there's a vacuum now where more useful things can grow, you know? Uh, but uh, we'll just have to see, I guess. Well, we, we also have to be careful about what we what fills that vacuum, and it, and it can be it can be useful things, but there's also things like in the you know if we look at the, at the political part about that, there are certainly things vying for that toxic space. That's right, right now. Well, I, I just want to say something too because I had a, one of our followers come on and say, "Well, do you guys need to be so political? You know that that even though she's a bit has some left leanings." She goes, well, I just imagine some people might have a difficult time listening to the program and stuff. Well, first of all, I think real conservatives aren't going to listen to our program. I mean, we're not conservatives. I mean, we're on the other side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. But it would be an interesting thing is to do what we talked about last time. Just hear our point of view. There are other point of views. And it doesn't necessarily have to be yours. You can be differentiated when you listen. And that was something I was going to bring up last time, Tom. Part of our discussion about tolerating differences also has to do with our emotional maturity. And, And that's a big problem that we have, I think, as a nation. You know, I was thinking the other day, one one of a book that means a lot to me personally and otherwise is um, Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl. Love it, love it. Fantastic book, right? I mean, and I think it's filled with so much wisdom. That book has sold about, probably about six and a half million copies. Now, just think about that for a minute. There are 360 million people in the United States. 360, let's say 300 and let's say 250 million of those are are adults that could pick up Frankel's book, listen, read it and get something out of it. The fact that only 6 million people have read that book out of 250 million, it's a spit in the ocean. It's a spit in the ocean is that, that we are not promoting and cultivating maturity in this country. It's 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 when I look at what goes on is that we're not a culture based on wisdom, we're not we're not seeking wisdom. I mean, you know, you can just see it in terms of what's get, you know, if you you've got a good arm and you're a great quarterback, you're going to be paid millions and millions of dollars. If you're a wonderful teacher, and you're and you can and you can you know inspire kids to learn, you'll be. Doing Employed, great, baby. Yeah, you'll be doing great if you're making ninety thousand or hundred thousand dollars a year. Most teachers are getting what sixty thousand, seventy thousand dollars a year. I, I mean, it just—I mean, where we put our money and where we spend just shows our values, right? You know, how many times do you go into a university and see classes on maturity and growing up? I mean, now some of the universities are have the Department of Happiness. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're starting to pay attention to these things. But look, even I was in the psychology department. Mm-hmm. You know how few courses were about, you know, personal growth and, and mm-hmm. 
versus studying the uh, physiology of the eye, for example, or, right. you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, so I guess what I'm saying is, is that I just wanted to bring into our discussion from last week. I think one of the reasons we get so polarized is that we have not grown up much as a nation. We're still very much into adolescence and almost all of our politics are very adolescent based. Uh, uh, one of my uh, um, favorite Catholic priests is a fellow by the name of Father Richard Rohr. Mm-hmm. And he talks about adolescent Christianity versus adult Christianity. And he says in adolescent Christianity, what you have is us versus them. Yeah. Right? There's us, the good Christians, and all of those of you that are not, right? Mm-hmm. He says in adult Christianity, you don't have that. It's completely inclusive. Yeah. God is in everything. You know, God is not just, and God does not just love Christians. God loves everybody. Right. I mean, you don't have to do just what Christianity says to be loved by God. I mean, God just is love. I mean, it's such a different point of view, but our politics is so much based on who's right and who's wrong. Right. When you said we don't have a culture based on wisdom, what I wrote down was it's based on competition. That's it's right. like, it, it's like, it's, it really, I think it is. And it's, I was, you know, if you listen to, um, I, I was listening to a, to a news report earlier today and, and, and the long and the short of it is they were talking about, you know, the choices, the, the Republican politicians have at this point about what they're going to do, but, but everything, what, what has always gotten kind of on my last nerve about, about how even the media just joins into this is they're all talking about it based on, you know, the, 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 with the assumption that yeah. these people in politics have to do the thing that is going to keep them in power. They, nobody's talking about right and wrong or the more, and I don't mean right and wrong, like either or, but I mean, I'm just talking, nobody's talking about the moral aspects of any of this. Nobody's talking about, they're saying, well, of course they have to, you know, I mean, of course you have to take a position that will destroy democracy because otherwise you might lose your job. You know, I mean, I'm a guy who got, I could, the reason I work for myself is because I couldn't keep a job. It's like, you know, and, and, and it's like, and, and, I, and I probably shouldn't have some pride in that, but I do because every time I, well, with one exception, uh, every time I lost a job, it was because I either got fired or I got really pissed off and stormed out because of something that was an ethical breach that should not have been. You know, people need to be willing. If I'm yelling at the television, I'm probably yelling about you should be able to, you should be willing to lose your job if if somebody is doing something wrong and you need to, and you need to stand up to it, you know, but we seem to accept that. And that seems to go into that sort of, like you said, that adolescent approach where we just kind of accept that, no, this is really just about the game of being in power. As opposed to how we're doing as a as a, a community as a as a as a population, All right? And yeah. I wanted to say just very briefly that um, you know cards on the table. Uh, I very much loathe conservative politics mm-hmm. and conservative politicians, but I believe that every American uh, deserves a dignified life, a well-paying job, health care, mm-hmm. equality under the law, and that their vote should be counted. And I think mm-hmm. that that's something, you know, I just want to make sure is recognized by our friends across the aisle is that, right. you know, um, it's, uh, 
we could disagree, but I still want them to have all the things that I want uh, to lead, to lead, lead a dignified life. So, right. Well, you also, there, there's another piece here that I think this is just needs to be a part of the ongoing conversation is that because, because we always want to try to practice what we, what, what we teach or practice what we're asking for is, is um, the, I, and the idea of, of certain words, certain language, you know, getting like liberal, to be a liberal is, you know, they, they, you know the, that turned into a horrible, supposedly insult, you know, right, yeah. I mean, the, the, the funny one for me was progressive, you know, it's like, how, how do you turn progressive into a negative word? Because it's about progress but but the other one is conservative it's it's like like uh and you may have i'm not I'm, i don't know everything you mean when you say say that about conservative politicians i use one uh, one guy that's an example is, is joe walsh not the guitar player but the, but the but the politician in the radio the conservative radio show host i have been connected to him on on twitter for for this entire four last four years and and vehemently disagreed with him and, 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 and kind of did my best to, to stand up and fight uh, when he was supporting Trump in the beginning. But if you follow what this guy has done, he, he is a wonderful example of a man who is an independent thinker. And he has thought this stuff through. He has, he, he, he didn't move immediately, but he gradually has moved and he's, he, he's, he's done some beautiful speaking out of, uh, about what's right and what's wrong. And, and about not just about uh, Donald Trump, but about, about the entire Republican party right now, there are people who do that. And he, and he, and he proudly just, just like Joe Biden says, I'm a proud Democrat. He proudly was, would describe himself as a conservative conservative person and a politician and it's like so i'm going we also have to be careful about you know language and just say and i don't mean watch your language i mean find out what define your terms you know what does that mean you know because if you say i'm liberal and go like okay well what do you say about that you know if, if people say well that means you know you want to you know you want to take all my money away and give it to somebody else and go like nope no. that's <laughs> no. not what it means <laughs> You know, I, I think that that's right on. And I, I think we've got to challenge all of those things. And language is a big part, isn't it, Tom? It, it, it's, it is so much in therapy. I, I, you know, this is where I, I used to think it was, an, it was an accident that I was an English major who didn't know what to do, uh, you know, if I wasn't going to be a rich and famous poet, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I accidentally became a therapist, uh, apparently a decision I made in a, in a blackout because I don't remember making it, but I woke up in my life and I was a therapist and I don't, I, I, and I haven't looked back. I don't, I don't regret that. But one of the things I think has really helped me in that way is my being an English major. It's like, I listen so much to people's language and I ask people about their language and about what do you mean by that? And what, is, tell me about that phrase. And we, I, and I used to kind of apologize for it, but I don't any longer. I realize now it's like, it really makes a difference. A, a, a couple can have an argument. I can give you example on example, a couple of an argument of, of, uh, about something. And they're just, they're using the same word, but they mean two different things. And it's like, they may not even be in disagreement because, you know, once we stop and say, what do you mean, you know, by this word? And they'll go like, say that, they'll go like, well, that's not mine at all. We need to be able to do that. We, we have to be able to have complicated, complex, yes. in-depth conversations and not just sound bites. Yeah. Yeah. And see that where, where I was going to go in, in part of the getting to that is if I raise my maturity, then I am not so threatened by somebody being different. 
Yes. And see, that's the big part of this is that it's very hard to reach across the aisle and even listen to someone with a different opinion if I take that as a threat. If it right. becomes something that generates anxiety, then that turns into fight or flight. You know, I'm going to make you wrong. You're going to make me wrong. I'm going to go after you. You're going to go after me. I'm going to avoid you. You're going to avoid me. It goes into all of this crazy stuff. And all of that, you and I know in a relationship, what does that do to a, the connection in a, in a between a partnership and a, in, in a marriage? It destroys it, man. I mean, if it's, it's so it's one of these things is that there, I think there is a great dialogue that can exist between psychology and politics. And for us to try to encourage people to look at their reaction to these political things as a measure of their maturity. And for us to start to not separate this stuff and isolate it and put politics over here, family over there. You know, one of the things I've loved about the AA message is we practice these principles in all our affairs. Yep. We practice these principles in all our affairs. And you know, AA has this great idea that unity should come first, because if we start to divide ourselves and get too divided, then what happens is we can't support each other's recovery. And this program, like you've said so many times, Tom, is that we, we need each other in recovery. It's a community. Mm -hmm. Right. That and we're growing together. And I think a lot of these ideas that are relevant in terms of helping people put their lives together can also have a lot of value in terms of the political discussion. Absolutely. I, 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 I mean, there are a couple of things you said there that, that are just, uh, and I noticed, I noticed, I think, Patrick, I think you were, you were writing a couple of notes there too, because, because uh, Alan hit a, hit, you know, a, a dial, a dialogue between politics and psychology. Uh, and, and the other is the, the, if I can read my handwriting is the, the way we react, the way we react to, to, to these, uh, to politics and to to these uh, difficulties, these conflicts, is a reflection of our level of maturity. You said it better than I did, but 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 it was but it was it's it's it's. I think speaking of language, I like that. that I, I think we should develop. We should be in our conversation for our conversation's sake. I'm not saying we have to give it to every, everybody. Has to go with us, but it's like, I think. One vocabulary word for for emotional sobriety needs to be maturity. It, yeah. You know, for me, it's all, one one term has always been there is self respect, because I, you know, I'm a big believer that self respect is the is the measure that I want to use every single day of my life more than happiness. I like happy, but at the end of the day, I want to be able to say, did I do? How did I feel about being the best version of myself today? And if I didn't do so well, I want, how can I do that better the next day? But the idea of maturity is fits right in there with that vocabulary. And, and, and if we can talk about that, then we can maybe talk about that with, with regard, without regard for what political party you're in. Let's just, and, and get into the thing that you and I love to talk about, Alan, which, which is process, you know? You know, I mean, we, we've shared together that, we'll, that we both have had the experience of couples being frustrated with us early on and working with us in, in therapy because we don't seem to be paying attention to what they're 
what they're arguing about because right, right. you know because they want they want tell them i'm right doc you know it's like that kind of stuff and we're and we're going like i'm not i you know i, I one time i remember telling somebody one time I said what's your argument about none of my business i said my my job is to help you be able to argue better to be able to communicate better i'm looking for how you're messing up the communication yeah. you know not not about who's right and who's wrong and if we can have those conversations we are more that is more mature we are going to make more progress and I really do think that's what Joe Biden is talking about. I think that I think Joe Biden sees this. That 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 thing he did the night before his inauguration, inauguration when they did the uh, memorial thing, when he talked about gr- grieving, and yes. and he's and, and remembering. I mean, yeah. I just cried. I thought he's because he, I mean he he was as on target as we've ever been ever in therapy. It's like he said, in order to grieve, you have to remember, yeah. and it's it's like wow. It was so, it was so amazing. That's one of the things I do appreciate about this presidency at this point in time. There's room for us to be human. And he's really creating that. What he did with that memorial service was so needed. I mean, there's been so much grief going on with COVID that's been unacknowledged at the national level. What memorial service? I don't know if I watched it. So they took 400 candles and put them along, what is that called? Where they were put at the, uh, right by the- um, the, water, what, the water in front of the Lincoln Memorial. What is- Right, what is that called? On the, the mall. Yeah, the mall, right? mall. Yeah. yeah, the mall. So that whole, that mm-hmm. strip of water. Mm-hmm. And, and you got this beautiful reflection of all these lights in the water at night. And he came in and did a memorial service yeah. for the 400,000, you know, people in the United States, citizens of the United States that have passed away. And his words were profound. I agree with you, Tom. It and, was- yeah, Kam- and Kamala as well. It's like oh, both, yeah. they both came and they did this memorial. This is the night before the inauguration. Right. It's like, it was just, uh, yeah. It was- do, you remember, do you remember how we grieved after 9-11, you know, and for us to not have had the space to yeah. reckon with what, what's happened and what's happening? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's just, you know, again, and I love what you're saying uh, too, too, Alan. It's, it's like there's, you know, a, a, a room to be human. Yeah. They've really created space for that now. And I, I think it's important. And I was even saying this to, to somebody the other day is that, and I think the other thing I would love for us to somehow integrate it media wise is mm. quit expecting perfection from these folks. No, yes. going to do this perfectly. My God, will you quit criticizing every friggin' thing? Well, God, they're you know, they're they're now they're they're under they're under promising, so they look good. Well, wait a minute, they're just trying to get the vaccination out, mm-hmm. and it's right. a big thing. And let's look at what's going on. And there's nothing wrong with with saying, hey, this might work a little bit better, but. Let's quit making people wrong. <laughs> well, if you think about it, if we if we see ourselves, and this is why again to go back to the connection to to our, our work, you know, I always refer, refer to my my clients as collaborators. You know, yeah. and it's like they, you know, we're working on this together, and it's like it's like, and I and I welcome you to redirect me and change me to this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, there's no when you're when you're just that quick to criticize when you think it, even with media, when you think it's your job just to, just to criticize, it's like it's like. Now that's, I mean, yeah, we want to be, we want to be, we want to be, again, language critical in the sense that we need to critique what's happening. 
But yeah. if we're if we're just looking for a way to insult somebody or to make it right or wrong, then we're passing up an opportunity to work together and and to grow. Exactly. You know, and, and that's and that's uh, yeah. And yeah, that, you know, Chris Cuomo is always trying to come back to that point. He says, "Look, I'm going to be critical here, but I'm always leaving room for dialogue here." And that's yeah. the part with Chris I like yeah. a lot. I like yeah. it, you know is that he really tries to create that, but I. I do think that this is one of the things, you know, we talk about it in that Thursday night meeting a lot. And, and mm -hmm. um, this whole thing about the idea that life is supposed to be a certain way is such a setup. And, and if we put on this idea that life is supposed to be perfect, man, I mean, we're going to be fighting a lot of windmills. I mean, we really gonna, we're going to be Don Quixote on our horse and going after Right. And, and what, what we're saying is we've already been there. That's our personal lives. That's the lives that the three of us are recovering from, you know. We, you know, and, and so the idea, I mean, that's, that's one of the things about this is, wait a minute. We already know just a shitload of what to do about this stuff. We do. That's true. Yeah, because because we, that's it, because it isn't that different. It's like let's you know let's bring it into. Uh, yeah, I wish I wish to, uh, and I've and I've certainly made my efforts at at uh, sending out to to uh, press releases and stuff to to media to, to get on CNN or sit and have a conversation. You know, I, I want to see the psychologists. You know, and people in our business, the professional people helpers, not be the the tag interview you know where they put us they put us on those shows the same place they put the the cute pet stories at the end of the of the local news you know and oh by the way here's a here, here here's a psychology guy that'll tell you something that'll, that'll be interesting about this you know and you go you know, they pat us on the head and send us on our way tom uh were you saying that you were invited on Fox to speak at one point in the past oh, i did I, I i did speak on i was on fox and friends how, how was uh, that it was fine because it was because what, what it was, was it? it was uh, it was it was right after 9-11. It was like early. I, uh, 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 Steve Ducci interviewed me. Uh, uh, it's you know, I mean, they didn't they they didn't have anywhere to like the, the reputation that they have now. I mean, never when they told me I was on you know national television to, to, to promote my book, Embracing Fear. Uh, it was like it was just national television. I'm, you know, I'm there, and uh, they were, you know, I was, I was there. Tom Ridge, the Homeland Security guy, was the interview right after me. I remember, um, and it was, it was an interview about, about, you know, fear and, and people's fear, you know, and, and residual fear of the, the, of this. And one of the things I talked about there was, was, you know, distinct in the brief, you know, nutshell version they had of that, but was, you know, t hopefully to tell the difference between. Um, you know, neurotic fear and, and actual fear and, and realize that we, how we scare ourselves so much. We want to be careful about that. But, but uh, uh, no, only with hindsight, have, when I, when I, when I fill out my bios, sometimes when I put it in there, I've been on the NBC today, I was on featured on NBC today show. I've been on interviewed by Anderson Cooper. And then I get to the Fox thing. And it's like, I sometimes hesitate to, because it means something different than it used to, <laughs> it used to be, but I keep putting it on there because I did it. <laughs> yeah, you should be proud of that. I did. Yeah. Um, they, you know, and they were uh, very, they were very kind to me, and and I, and I did, I had no idea what was to come. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I, I was going to say just uh, in reference to uh, you know your words about Biden is that um, I voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary. Full disclosure, but uh, mm -hmm. Joe Biden in the general, and um, I think you know I really believe in the power of symbols, and um, 
I do believe that on the basics, Biden and I agree that the function of government is to provide for people and to provide an infrastructure uh, for supporting, you know, our collective well-being. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's some place you can go with that. And there's a conversation to be had. And uh, both uh, actors are operating in good faith, you know, so mm-hmm. that's. Well, and that's and I think that's one of the things that Alan's just talking about, too, that when we can get into this more mature way of co- conversing it, and we're not we're not saying one person's bad, one person's good. I mean, that was one of the things that I objected to in the, the previous election. It seemed to me that there was such a polarization inside the between the, the Sanders and, and Hillary Clinton camp that seemed to work really against us. And it was going like, you know, it's like, no, we need to be the people, you know, I want to be a part of the group that is actually putting out there that there is, we're not looking for the right thing. We're, we're looking, we're looking for right things, better things, you know, you know, progress, not, per, not perfection, you know? And it's, and it's like, um, and I think, and I personally think the Democratic Party, uh, the, the, the group of people who were running for this the nomination this year, I really got nervous about what, how they were going to handle that. And I think they did a beautiful job of coming together and, 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 and demonstrating unification. You know, I mean, beautiful job. Who doesn't, who doesn't love mayor Pete, man? I know. Yeah. Bernie um, and Pete Buttigieg are now working inside the Biden administration. Yeah. Uh, as well as Kamala Harris, obviously. Yeah. And yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, to your point. Well, no, look at the diverse group he's put together mm-hmm. in terms of his cabinet and and his whole administration. I mean, it's it really is a historic moment. Like you mm-hmm. said, Tom, we're seeing the the baton get passed. Mm-hmm. We really are. Yeah, he knows. He, I love that. He, yeah, that he that he defines himself as a president of transition. He knows that he's handing it off to the younger the younger generations, and it's like. Um, on a personal note, Alan, that's just a weird thing. I remember when Clinton became president and I realized somebody who was a baby boomer, somebody who was of my generation was president. How weird that was. Yes. And then I remember when, when Barack Obama became president and I realized somebody younger, significantly younger than I am was now president you know, and and it's it's like it's amazing when you look at that and you look around the. Uh, I look, I watch, I, Didi and I, you know, always ask when we were watching the commentators on TV and news. We say, "What grade do you think they're in?" You know, because <laughs> like they all look like children to us because we're yeah. not because not because of them, but because we're so old now. So true. Mm-hmm. But 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 Biden, by the way, is older than us. <laughs> He is older than us. He is our elder. Well, what do you think, Patrick? Well, how do you feel about this discussion today? Oh, uh, I feel uh, fantastic about it. And, uh, you know, I hope you don't mind my contributions. Mm. Love Always them. Welcome. Always welcome. And, you know, and I just like uh, speaking in the affirmative about what's coming up. And, you know, um, you know, apologies to any, you know, listeners that may be Trump supporters, you know, we love you too. But, uh, you know, um, I, I, I've been enjoying lately that the conversation hasn't been too focused on, you know, whatever, uh, 
whatever tension and uh, vitriol and uh, all the things that, you know, I certainly associate. Oh, and I think Biden's been great with that. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff he could be, you know, have grievance about in terms of the kind of transition and power that happened. But look, this is, this is, you know, if you want to talk about what emotional sobriety looks like with somebody, he stayed focused on what was important. Mm -hmm. He did not get off into, you know, you know, Trump could do whatever he was going to do. And Biden knew what his job was and he stayed focused on what that was. And so regardless of the lack of support and collaboration, he just came in and, and did what he needed to do and prepared himself very well so that when his administration started, they hit the ground running. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of that fact that it just wasn't a, a typical transition of power. And that's to yeah. his credit. See, I think that's the maturity he brings to the office. Mm-hmm. That he's not going to get sidetracked and, and, and be sitting there complaining and bellyaching and objecting to what Trump was doing. He was more focused on what do I need to do? <laughs> I mean, right, you right, know, right, that's right. that's the past now. Let's get on with the future. Well, and the other thing, I, I think he, I, th- I think he understands too the, the what I call the the play your everybody play their position yeah. uh, philosophy too. It's it's like the idea that that you know that, that the, the, the Justice Department is going to need to do what the Justice Department needs to do. It's 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 like a, he he's not acting like everything everything depends on him. You know, he I mean he he he's going to play his position, like you said, yeah. And I hope I hope what we could do what I what I'm doing in my head on a regular basis, and I invite you guys. You're probably already doing it, but and we can talk about this however it comes up, even if it's not the the topic for the week. But as we talk about this, it goes on in our in our nation in our world. Is I'm I'm trying to come up with ways of imagining conversations, not not with the diehard people who are going to agree, disagree with me no matter what, but for people who basically are available to have conversation, you know, one, to be able to, the stuff that, the, what's the name of the book that you told us about, uh, Alan? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, got the bubble? Yes, yes. It was, it was yeah, beyond, yeah. beyond your bubble. Beyond your bubble. Right. I tried yeah. to order and I, my order failed for some reason. I'm okay. Again well, I have, a, I have a client who's already reading it based on your recommendation and she loves it. She, 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 so far, she says she really like likes it a lot. And one of the things it talks about is, is, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Again, this is about language, but it's like preparing yourself for, for dialogue rather than debate. That's right. That's right. And that's that's that place where I always in, in my first book, I always called it conversations to convey rather than to convince. It's like we we will we will have conversations that j- most conversations just need to be conveyance. I'll tell you some things. You tell me some things. And we can, if, if we're if, if we're not like you said, Alan, if we're not threatened by be, people being different, we can walk away and be fine. That's right. And we have and we both have more information than we had going in. Yes. Yeah. It's like bring the temperature down. Yeah, and, and and I hope what we can do is 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 get more specific as we as well. I'll say speak for myself as I try to figure out when we're saying we should have these kinds of conversations, these outside the bubble conversations, these these dialogue conveyance rather than debate and convincing conversations. I I want to be able to give examples of those conversations because, because it's easy, because I do know this from doing the work that we do. It's really easy to, to state things in theory. Yes. It's, it's so much harder to, to actually see them in practice. So I, you know, I like, I like the idea that we can move together and maybe we can come up with some ways of, of, of uh, demonstrating some of those conversations. That's right. 
I love that. Well, I think that's a good note to end this show on, Tom. Good. Well, this is great. And thanks again. Thanks for both of you guys for this. This conversation is good for me, by the way, as well as it's, ther- it's therapeutic for me. And I hope it is for people who are listening. And, me too. And, and speaking of that, we love to hear from people. It's like there's, and, and Alan and I are not too swift on these things, but we've recently discovered from Patrick that we actually have, there is an email address. You can, you, you can, because you can always email Alan or I, but it's like there, the podcast actually has an email address, right, Patrick? We can't hear you, Patrick. You muted yourself. Ah, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, our email address for the podcast is pod start here at gmail.com and I'll include it in the show description today. Okay. And then okay. You put it on also. Uh, yeah, that would be a great in the show description. Mm-hmm. That would be great. I would love to. Can it just be there on each one of them and just say, you know, we Absolutely. welcome your questions. Yeah. Because I love it when we hear from folks and, and it, whether that be to, to, you know, it's. Uh, and then I'd like you to also put in the description is Tom's, you know, at the end of the show, we say you can contact Tom at, mm-hmm. we don't need to do that. I think we could just have it in the thing. If you want to learn more about Tom Rutledge's work mm-hmm. and give Tom's mm-hmm. information, its website. Mm-hmm. And if you want to learn more about Dr. Berger's work mm-hmm. and then just put our thing in and we don't have to keep repeating it. Got it. Boilerplate. It'll be there every week. Okay. Perfect. Brilliant. It's a spiral, not a circle. Goes round, round. Look in the mirror and trust the reflection Deep in your heart, start right here That's where it starts, right here Won't you look to